Good morning. Please join with me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God of holiness, your glory is proclaimed in every age as we hear your word today and as we rejoice in the faith of your saints, inspire us to follow their example with boldness and joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our message today comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. Hear these words. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you, as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed is the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of his ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgiving to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning once again, Chapelwood. I'm so glad that you decided to participate in this worship experience. I'm Pastor Thea, and I just wanted to take this moment in the midst of this generosity series to just say thank you. Um, I've just been here a little bit over four months, and my husband and I have been very warmly received, and I just wanted to take this moment to say thank you for your generosity of hospitality, welcoming us, and um, allowing us to really find our place here at Chapelwood. It's truly an honor. Um, and in this middle of this series, we're talking about generosity. We're talking about faithful giving. We're talking about the ways that we can support what God is doing here at Chapelwood. And I realize that in the middle of this type of series, there might be lots of feelings. There might be lots of energy or even mixed ideas about what we're really saying. And for some of you, even if you haven't heard a message yet, just the whole idea of a generosity series feels a little uncomfortable. And maybe that's because somewhere, somehow, maybe by design or maybe just what you picked up was this idea that the church just wants more. Just wants more of your time, more of your talent, and let's be honest, more of your treasure. And if that's a message that you've received here or, or really any other Christ-following church, I, I wanna say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that might have been your reality. I'm sorry if that's the perspective that you received. I, I'm sorry if that was anybody's intentionality because I wanna be really clear. It's not the church that is after more. It is not the church that wants more of your time and your talent and treasures. It's not the church that wants more of your heart and your devotion and more of your life. That is God. 
You see, when Jesus calls us to lay down our nets and follow him wherever he may lead, that requires all. It requires us to faithfully give of all that we have, to leave treasures that we once found valuable of this life and discover life new. And it is the same Christ who requests so greatly of us that also faithfully gives all he has so that we might be able to follow. As we dive into the scripture today, as we discuss more of the message, discern and discover where God might be leading each of us through these holy words, I do want to first stop and pray. Let me pray with me. Holy, magnificent, generous, and graceful God, thank you. Thank you, O Lord, for our many, many gifts. Thank you for this life and all that it brings. And thank you, O Lord, that you would be willing to be with us. We recognize that your holy presence is with us in this space and in this place. Oh God, it is your breath that is in our lungs that gives us life. And God, while you ask for all of us, we also know that not for a single moment do you leave us alone. And instead, every time we are willing to seek you, we find you when we are willing to listen for your words, Lord, we hear you. And God, when we manage somehow, some way to take just the next step in faith, you always lead. And so, O holy God, who faithfully gives all of who you are to us, and we so graciously receive, Ask now that you would lead us to where you are going next and give us the courage to faithfully give our all in return. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As I read these words that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, there's this apparent theme of God's abundance. That all things in life, all goodness, all seeds that lead to fruit and harvest, that those come from God. And let's face it, God is abundant. I'm immediately drawn to the beginning of our holy scriptures, back in Genesis 1, where we see God's abundant creativity and abilities really at work. When there was nothing but void and chaos, as as God's spirit hovered over this, God decided that there should be light and said, let there be And there was. And not only do we now have night and day, but God continued with let there be a separation between the sky and the earth. And let the land come together and the water be separate, and it was. And this act of let there be and there was is repeated over and over again as God's abundant creativity and magnificence and abilities become, come into action. 
We get the, um, every single uh, creature in the depths of the sea and every bird that flies in the air. And then along comes every creepy, crawling thing here on earth. And as this world is created to sustain and provide for life, and God fills it, then God digs into the soil and seemingly with God's own hands forms humankind in God's image with God's fingerprints all over us formed in the likeness of God. And then setting this life apart, God breathes God's own breath into the first humans, giving them real life. This is a God of abundance and willing to give oh so generously just to create life. But it doesn't stop there. God doesn't set these creatures in motion and then sit back and watch. No, we see over and over in our Old Testament text that God is abundant also with wisdom and protection, with provision and promises fulfilled over and over again. Like calling Abraham away from his family, away from his land and everything that he knew and sending him on a, on a brand new adventure in which he would, uh, you know, multiply with more descendants than the grains of sand in the sea. We see God place Noah on a big boat as a huge storm is coming and his entire family is saved. And then when God's own people find themselves in the real chains of slavery in Egypt, God leads them out of that despair into the wilderness providing water from a rock and bread from the sky as he leads them into the land of abundance, milk and honey flowing freely. And it doesn't stop there. We see God's promises and, and protection, provision and wisdom continue to be shared through the prophets who declare that God is not far away and that a Messiah, a savior will be here soon. And then, God pours God's self abundantly into humanity and through Jesus Christ comes to proclaim good news, to set the oppressed free, to give sight to the blind. Jesus Christ comes to give life, life abundantly. Our Holy Scriptures gives us um, example after example of God's abundance and I think we would say that we can still see that here today. Last week, we celebrated the abundance of God showing up in our trunk or treat activity. It was only through God's abundance and generosity working through many of you that we were able to give um, away so much candy and hot dogs for those who showed up. I chose these two pictures to share because let's face it, it's some of our kids and they're just adorable and their costumes. But I also want you to look in the background as we kind of celebrate the abundance of God showing up at this huge event in so many ways, keeping the candy and hot dogs flowing. I want you to notice the abundance of people in line. The abundance of families seeking something. 
longing, looking for, and willing to come here to find it. Now, we can guess it was the packaged sugar that they were in search of. But I think we can also guess that out of this abundance of people willing to come through some lines to pick up, get a few pieces of candy, there is also an abundance of brokenness, of loss and confusion, and people seeking, wanting to know more about what this Jesus really means and what it might do for their lives too. As we recognize the abundance of God in our midst, let us also not forget to see the abundance of those around us right here in this community in need. In our 2 Corinthians text, we get this imagery that Paul uses, uh, this metaphor of sowing seeds. And um, as I thought about this, uh, I, I kind of see what, what Paul's doing there, but the more I thought about him use a lot, using, using this sowed seer metaphor, I started to feel like it was a little inauthentic. Because you see, what I know about Paul is that he probably doesn't really have much farming experience. I don't think that Paul actually spent much time at all out in the fields. I don't think he really um, may have even had dirt under his fingernails, knew what it took to truly plant seeds and, and give them all that they needed and then to harvest the crop that they might grow. And I say that because the New Testament tells us that Paul was a Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and I imagine he came from a long line of scholars, not farmers, Paul's father and probably even his grandfather spent more time in dark corners studying and memorizing and, and, and dissecting the holy scriptures than he ever spent out in the yard <laughs> digging and planting and growing. But as I thought about Paul's lack of farming experience, then I remembered that while Paul maybe never knew what it took to truly plant some seeds and grow a real harvest. Paul is a church planter. Our New Testament uh, gives him 14 credits of, of churches mentioned that Paul helped to begin. But I would go as far to say is with the words that Paul writes and with the example that he leads and the, and the amazing grace that he's able to live out, that we could count thousands, if not millions of churches that have spurred from Paul's church planting experience. No, he may not know what it takes to grow crops, but Paul knew what it, takes, what it took to come into a new land to preach a good news and pour blood, sweat, and tears into a community that might be bonded not by their own goodness, but by the loving, abundant goodness of God and the power of freedom offered in Jesus Christ. In the summer of 2016, when I took a job as the director of family and children ministry at a brand new church community, my husband Wayne was not coming to church with me regularly. He might have come a few times if I made a direct ask and there was really something special going on. 
And as uh, the new church plant I was a part of, Redeemer prepared to open its doors for the first time, Wayne decided he would be willing to come and see and learn a little bit more about this new thing. And week after week, Wayne showed up early with me and found a ton of ways to help. And as a part of a church plant, there is always something for someone to do. And in just a few short months after opening our doors for the first time and we had to add a second service, I was sure that Wayne would start driving himself and honestly probably stop coming so much. But he decided that he wanted to be there for both services too. And he found more and more ways to serve and to, and, to, and to lead. He became one of the experts on how to set up the chairs properly in the sanctuary. He learned how to make massive amounts of coffee for the number and number of people who came. He even stepped into a classroom with kids and students a time or two when I was really in a pinch. And when Hurricane Harvey hit our church in less than a year after it had opened, damaging every room and every bit of furniture. Wayne was there mucking out those rooms before I had the emotional capacity to do so. In this picture, as he cleans out a room that was completely ruined, um, his shirt, you can't read it, says, all in. And Wayne was truly all in every step of the way as we got to pour in to this brand new community and build something that didn't exist before and see God move in amazing ways. And I'll never forget the first Sunday that Wayne, after weeks and weeks of staying seated, stood up to receive communion for the first time in this community, seemingly welcoming all that God was calling and gifting him in this new opportunity and willing not only to receive but give back as well. Here's the thing about Wayne. He's never been to seminary. I don't think he had any plans to marry a pastor and he's never read a book about building a new church. But Wayne is a church planter. Wayne knows what it takes to give and to lead, to pour in to something new and then to bear beautiful fruit, real fruit, Fruit that will last beyond the little that he was willing to give, but to see it in, in, in amazingness, God's magnificence. Chapelwood is not a new church start, but Chapelwood is a church plant too. These, plant, these, these seeds were planted over 60 years ago, and new life is still blooming I have been blown away in these past four months to see Chapelwood come alive with energy and excitement and willingness to not only discover, but participate in what God is doing here. As we have been doing these visioning sessions, not only with the whole church, but with a smaller group, it has been so exciting to hear the energy and, and the wisdom and the recognition that our best days are not behind us, that God is still up to something really, really great, and we have such an honor to be invited to be a part of that. 
It has been overwhelmingly exciting to see new families step up and willing to serve and to lead as we rebuild and redream about what family and children and student ministry might look like here at Chapelwood in this new era that we find ourselves in. I am more than uh, sure, more than confident that this is very fertile soil and that we are a room of church planters ready to continue to pour in and reap the goodness that God is up to right here in this community and beyond. The final thought I wanted to talk about today is this idea of righteousness. Our text tells us something like if we sow in and 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 we're willing to pour in, then the harvest will be of our own righteousness. As I thought about that, I I really struggled with it. Because if I'm honest, I don't think we have anything. I don't think there's anything that is actually our own. In fact, I have this imaginary conversation in my head that, um, that plays out between probably the first human who designed a pocket and came excited to tell God all about it. You see, I think that God is very amused with a lot of our human ideas and just loves us enough to let them play out. So I imagine that this uh, pocket inventor came to God very, very excited, like a child who's built something new, and said, look, 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 God. Look at what I made. It's a pocket. And God, lovingly, always amused, says, oh, is that what you have there? Tell me, what's a pocket? Knowing full well where this will end. And the inventor says, oh, that's a wonderful thing. You see, it's just some folded fabric that I put together, and in this pocket, I can put all my things, all of my treasures, all of the things that mean something important to me, like rocks and flowers, jewels, even money. This pocket will hold all of my things, In this pocket, everything will be safe. I won't lose it and nobody else can get it. All of my things will go in this pocket. This pocket will hold all of my things. And I imagine God looked on this wonderful human and just said, really, but you have no things. Don't you see that this creation, every that you see, this life in abundance around you. These are my things. These are my things that I have trusted you to steward, to oversee, to manage, not to hide away in your pockets and drawers, to stuff away in your storage closets, but no, to share with the world so they might know me, so that they might see my glory that they might too be trusted with my things. It's a cute pocket and all, but you have no things. When I think about righteousness, I think it's the same. I think we misunderstand that somehow, some way, maybe by serving enough, by leading in all the right ways, even writing the biggest checks that we can, that we might earn our own righteousness. 
that we might be able to be given our own crowns of glory, that we might finally be good enough to be in that image and likeness of God and that we strive after it with all of our own deeds. But here's the thing, there is nothing that we can do. There is nothing we can say, there's no projects we can lead, there is no amount of money that will give us that righteousness that we, des- that we desire, that will make us actually clean, that will make us good enough for this right and perfect and complete righteousness with God. Because you see, the sin of this world is too heavy. Our egos and our pride will be drawn too easily away from our one true God. And as God pours God's self into humanity, comes to dwell and walk around with us in hopes to teach us and lead us in this way, in the end, Jesus Christ takes on all of our pride, all of our ego, the sin of the entire world, and yet overcomes and says, that no longer defines you, but instead I give you new life a complete life and know your sin and your unrighteousness doesn't change, but I will extend my righteousness to you. I will faithfully surrender all that I have and share it generously with you because you cannot earn it on your own, you cannot keep it on your own, but I will give my righteousness to you. You will be clothed in Christ's righteousness for those who believe in their heart and confess with their lips, you are given God's righteousness. And when I think about the true weight of my experience, the things that stop me in my tracks, even wake me up at night, I'm gonna be honest and say it's not what I'm gonna say up here on a Sunday morning. It's not even what ministry we need to focus on next and what leaders might help us get there, what really makes me pause and overwhelms me with the reality and the weight is that I, a wretched sinner, would be granted a place to lay bricks in the kingdom of heaven. And that is not a role that is reserved for those of us who went to seminary or passed all of the exams and interviews that the board of Orde Ministry would like to present. No, to lay bricks in the kingdom of heaven, to bring this reality here on earth, to live this truth out loud to the world around us is a position and a place that is afforded to all who would call Christ Jesus their Lord and Savior and be willing to follow where he leads. This Jesus, this fullness of God who comes in the flesh to give us new life, life abundantly, who faithfully gives all that he has that that we might receive, does request, does invite, does ask that we might faithfully give all that we have in return. What might that be for you here in Chapel Wood at this time, at this place, and all that we're facing ahead. Let's pray. Gracious, generous, holy, and almighty God, we are overwhelmed by your grace. 
We are overwhelmed by the abundance of your giving, the abundance of your creativity and wisdom, protection and provision, and God, by the fruit of the harvest, of the seeds that you plant within us and the ways you call us to get involved in what you are doing. Oh God, you who come proclaiming that the kingdom is here and now, you not only invite us to have a place, you welcome us and you give us righteous roles in building and leading your kingdom today. Oh, holy God, we cannot do enough to earn this grace. We cannot serve enough. We cannot give enough. And so, oh God, without our own strength, with our own abilities, we just try every way we can, a little bit every day, to surrender more to you, to receive that which you faithfully give, and to respond with faithful giving in return. Oh, holy God, bless us, lead us, guide us, strengthen us, and support us as we continue ahead to follow where it is that you may lead and to share your glory with those who have yet to know it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.